This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on WSJS. We've made it to a football Friday drive or basketball Friday alliteration notwithstanding there. WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad. In a half hour, App State coach Sean Clark will be joining the show from Orlando. The Mountaineers will meet Miami of Ohio in the Cure Bowl tomorrow. Weather is expected to be a factor in that bowl game as it's supposed to be a factor in Sunday's game. At Bank of America Stadium, there is one thing that is guaranteed when the Carolina Panthers meet the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. Ugly football. That is a 100% guarantee, which is partly why the get-in price for this game is somewhere around 5 bucks. Here's what we know. want to make sure I get it straight from the weather app. Temperatures likely are going to be in the 40s during this game. There's over a 50% chance of rain all day, certainly during the 1 o'clock window for Panthers-Falcons. Nobody's going to be there. Winds are expected to be at speeds between 8 to 15 miles per hour and sometimes can go even quicker than that, depending on what time of day you look at. Chris Tabor, Panthers interim coach, was talking about the weather, and this is what he had to say. The weather is coming in. That's what that's what they're saying. I'm going to kind of rely back on my uh, uh, years in the AFC North and NFC North, uh, and I, that hopefully that comes into into play there. We're looking forward to it. We're going to embrace it. Uh, with regards to the passing game and, and all those things, I think those are things that you just have to evaluate when you get out there. I mean, I don't I don't want to misquote here, but sometimes the weather can be projected for one thing and not be the other, or vice versa. So we'll play it as we see it. Meteorologists can be wrong? No. This, Whoa. this is weather. Assuming there is a lot of wind and a lot of rain and it's cold, this is weather that suits running the football. And even though Carolina's been better at that the last couple of weeks with Tabor as the coach, this is weather that better suits the number six rush offense in the NFL, which belongs to the Atlanta Falcons, Algier, Bijan Robinson, heck, even Desmond Ritter to a degree. And as good as the Panthers' defense has been this year, not very good against the run. They certainly weren't that great against Alvin Kamara last week, so that's a problem as well. The Panthers' offense, they haven't hit 20 points in a game in over two months. Seven straight games, Carolina has not hit 20 points. Five of those seven, they were held to fewer than 14, fewer than two touchdowns. It's hard to imagine Sunday's going to be any different than that. Bryce Young throwing the ball in the rain, probably not a good recipe for him. But this is the big difference in the game. At this point in the year, it kind of is similar to bowl games. When you're trying to forecast what happens in bowl games and what happens in December in the NFL, ask yourself, who's the game matter more to? Who has more at stake? And obviously, the Carolina Panthers do not have as much at stake as Atlanta does. Carolina has been completely demoralized. Don't know what they have to play for. Atlanta is tied for first place in the NFC South. So 
Atlanta's a better football team than Carolina, already beating the Panthers by two touchdowns earlier this year. Granted, that was the opener. Carolina, a lot of new parts, but throughout the year, it's bare true. Atlanta, better than Carolina is, and I think the weather suits them and the motivation factor favors them too. Give me Atlanta by double digits, 23-13. to 13. Send me that cash out, family. On X, at WSJS Radio, you can chime in. WD, would you prefer, if people were to write in contributions to the show, would you prefer that happens on X, at WSJS Radio, or on our YouTube feed, where people can write on our feed during the show? I mean, they can do it either place. I mean, we, we tend to check our comments, though, more here Get on in the, the YouTube comments. channel. Do that, yes, on YouTube, and make sure... You subscribe there. We are streaming video on X, on YouTube, and on Twitch as well. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show. WD, if someone were to ask you what the best days on the sports calendar in a given year are, what do you generally say? I would say Christmas Day. NBA games from the start of the day till the end. And now NFL. NFL. I hear people say Thursday and Friday, round one of the NCAA tournament. And the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, divisional weekend in the NFL where you have the best teams playing in meaningful games. Maybe opening day in baseball, opening day for college football. Nobody ever says the Saturday before Christmas weekend. But over the last few years, that's become a day to circle. And tomorrow is no exception to that. Tomorrow is the best day of the non-conference schedule in college basketball. Hands down. This weekend, we'll say as a whole, it starts tonight in Seattle, number 10 Gonzaga facing number 5 UConn, a top 10 matchup that's going to be awesome. Tomorrow, North Carolina faces Kentucky, a game we'll get to in just a bit. NC State at 10 o'clock in San Antonio faces the Tennessee Volunteers. You have a top three matchup in Indianapolis between Purdue and Arizona to circle. And then you have games on campus, WD. Kansas is playing in Assembly Hall at Indiana. You have Clemson playing at Memphis. A&M playing at Houston, albeit I think they're playing that in the Rockets arena. Baylor facing Michigan State in Detroit. LSU facing Texas. Awesome games in college hoops. Across the board, the best day on the college hoops non-conference slate. Then you get the football. Bowl season begins tomorrow. That includes App State, Miami of Ohio. Sean Clark joining us later this hour. There's a game that starts at 11 a.m. tomorrow. There's a game that kicks off at 9 p.m. tomorrow. And games in between that, including the Cure Bowl. So football all day in college, if that is your cup of tea. And then... Just for good measure, there's an NFL triple header. And the games matter. All of them matter, WD. Minnesota at Cincinnati. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. The Broncos at the Lions. You might poo-poo the Minnesota-Cincinnati game saying, Jake Browning versus Nick Mullins. Why do I care about that? One of those two teams is going to have eight wins tomorrow. They're both seven-win football teams. You might say the same thing about Steelers-Colts. Mitch Trubisky against Gardner Minshew. Same deal. Both are 7-6. and One of those teams is going to have eight wins and be 
in the playoff picture in a really good spot. We're talking about four weeks left to go in the season and meaningful games. And Denver sits at seven wins too. Russell Wilson going to Detroit to face the Lions. Like these are all really good games. They are meaningful games across the board. Tomorrow, you also get, you know, NBA, NHL. That probably sits on the wayside if we're being honest about it. I don't know how many people are saying, Hornets, fire it up. That's what I'm watching, even though you've got the Hornets. I'll say it. Fire it up. Yeah, you're going to you're going to watch the Hornets over the NFL. Yeah. Bowl games and three matchups between ranked teams this weekend. You're probably I'll have it uh, I'll have it on a side screen there. But just remember that when people ask you the question, "Hey, what's your uh favorite what's your favorite day on the sports calendar?" I don't know how many days can beat college football bowl games, NFL regular season games of consequence the best non-conference day for college basketball oh yeah and you got NBA and NHL I don't know how many days can beat that it's an underrated day and for the last few years now it's been that the the Saturday the weekend before Christmas the drive with Josh Graham only on WSJS Right now, we have tickets to go see Hank Williams Jr. in Raleigh. The first two to call in get tickets to go see Hank. 336-777-1600. Still in the league, Hank Williams Jr. How about it? Go see Hank in the capital city. That voice you heard belongs to Darren Vaught, fresh off calling ECU Florida last night. Tight loss for the Pirates in the Sunshine State. Darren does a myriad of different things. We'll get to some of those things a little bit later on, but I was particularly fascinated in watching my alma mater last night because given this two-week window that exists for players who did not receive their waiver, multi-time transfers like Greensboro's Cam Hayes, they can play with impunity. They can play without being punished if... On the 27th, the ruling from a court favors the NCAA. And once again, Cam Hayes is having to have that waiver um, in order to play for the remainder of the season. I just don't know how that affects eligibility. Like, let's say, hypothetically, the NCAA does decide, hey, you have to go back to sitting again. Those stats he put up last night, the stats he would assumedly put up over the next week or so, like, what does that mean for eligibility did he just lose a year like what's your understanding of it with cam yeah potentially there is the chance now that he and others who 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 for whom at this 14-day grace period for lack of a better way to put it applies um there's a chance that on december 27th the next hearing if it is reversed in favor of the ncaa there's a chance that they could lose eligibility for the entire season so there's there's risk associated with it. And I mean, man, dude, it was a fascinating 24 hours. Cam was on the trip. I know a lot of ECU fans were wondering whether he was in Florida or not because we left before that decision came down. Um, 
So he was on the trip. I mean, he's been ready to go. In some practices, he's been going with the first team, like with starters. Um, they they I, Because a ruling could come any day, they've been preparing as if he could play any day. So it wasn't a question of whether or not he was ready. But then it becomes this, this calculus where John Gilbert, ECU's athletic director, Michael Schwartz, their head coach, um, and, and others – in the athletic department are seeking legal counsel as they have throughout this entire process when or since cam filed for his his waiver back on august 14th so we're four plus months in now as you and i speak and like there's a there's a lot of moving parts right and and they're leaning on their legal advice and expertise that they're getting from others but also you want to do right by cam and the way Coach Schwartz put it to us in the postgame show on the radio last night was we just gathered all the information we could in terms of the risk. We presented Cam with all the information. And we said, Cam, do you want to play tonight? And it was 100% Cam's decision. He wanted to play. And again, they insisted. They were like, if you feel any unease, I actually – eavesdropped on a conversation that I was not really intended to be on um, or in because I walked around a corner in our team hotel and Schwartz was, was talking to Cam there. And, and Mike just sort of insisted, no, you're good. You're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And so um, I was there, there was food there. So I was, I was grabbing a water and stuff. And uh, I just overheard this conversation where, where Mike was time and time, time and time again, he was like, Cam, if you feel any uneasiness, about this at all we're comfortable not playing you tonight and waiting until the 27th um but cam wanted to go cam went he was the first player off the bench he played like 20 minutes 25 minutes he was in the game down the stretch in a one possession game at a at a air quotes neutral site game against a really really good florida team that entered the night 30th in the country in the kim palm rankings um and ECU had a chance to win. I mean, it's a huge gain for them if, if indeed he's allowed to stay in the lineup. It gives them uh, a lot more depth. Darren Vaught called a game in Florida last night. Tonight he's got women's basketball in Chapel Hill, Western Carolina, facing 25th-ranked North Carolina. And then you got the Shrine Bowl of the Carolinas, which is in Spartanburg. That's going to be uh, – you can actually watch that in the triad on um, Channel 48, I think it is, right? I think you have that somewhere. MTV, my 48, I think. Ah, my 48. My 48, I think, is the the name. That's a one o'clock start um, tomorrow or a one o'clock game broadcast starts at noon. That's three games in three states, Darren, in three days. Yes, it is. Sheesh. It it helps to travel with a team. Like we chartered back right after the game last night. So that helps. I got to sleep in my own bed. I won't tonight. I'm going to drive to Spartanburg after our game in Chapel Hill and I'll wake up in Spartanburg tomorrow to do that game. But it's, um, it's North Carolina, Kirk Herbstreit, Kirk Herbstreit. That's with us here. Darren Vaught also on the ACC <laughs> baseball, et cetera, podcast. Now let's get to unusual question. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question and it's okay. It's time for unusual questions with Josh Gray. While I was on vacation, for a few days in Florida last week. Florida vacation. Florida. We, uh, Florida. You and I both. How about that? I watched Anshawn Clark, too, who was with us earlier there in Orlando, passing like, you know, 
ships in the night. The I watched the new Michael Fassbender, David Fincher movie, The Killer, on Netflix, which is really good. I don't want to spoil any of it for you because I know you haven't seen this movie yet. It's on the list, though, so it will happen. Right. But obviously this movie is about a killer, a paid killer, an assassin. And there is only one artist that's featured throughout the movie that I won't spoil here, but he's listening to it as he's in the act while he's working. Okay. All right. So, so it's a, so it's a um, American psycho Huey Lewis in the news situation with Patrick Bateman. Minus Whitney Houston minus do you like Phil Collins? It's just one <laughs> fan slash artist. Got it. Okay. Right. Which has me wondering, what do you listen to while you're working? That's a fun spin on that plot. <laughs> what do you listen to while you're way to, working? Way to spin it. Um, I'm the type, so much of, of what I do involves words. Like if I'm working on spot charts for games. So you can't listen to I, people it's talking. Tough for me, yeah, it's tough for me to have words, especially words that I know. Because I'm just going to like sing along while I'm trying to type other words that are what not about, included. What about podcasts? That's also tough for me to do. So I knock out, uh, I drive so much. Music and podcasts are, they, like, I've got, I'm good. I can listen to any, as as much of anything I want, music or podcast-wise, because I can use road time for that. Um, so no, typically I'm not listening to either of those while I'm. I'm Silence. Working. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes there's just like background noise. I'll throw like a, a nonsensical television show. Uh, okay. Um, so like, you know, Bob's Burgers or whatever. WD, what are you listening to while you're working? Stand-up comedy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Give me an example. Like all day today while I was working, I was listening to Matt Reif. Yeah. All day. Still in on him, huh? Still huh. in. Still WD. in on him after the past couple of weeks, huh? Huh. Oh, there's something with Matt Reif? I, I didn't watch the special, Darren. So He got canceled. First joke in his special. He got canceled. I, I, yeah. I, I had no idea. idea. I haven't watched the special. Misogynist, yet. some some real like, get into the kitchen and make me a sandwich woman stuff. It was oh, not great. I didn't, I didn't hear. Well, because like so the, so the push with him is like he's a he's a handsome dude. He got uh -huh. famous via TikTok. Uh -huh. So like uh -huh. like young women is is the majority of his his fan base, and so I think he got some advice, some bad advice that he needed to push against that. So he made this like overly macho joke to begin his special so we've canceled uh, life not great oh. uh i'm i'm listening to um movie podcast that's what i listen to I, I i don't listen to sports during the day because i don't want it to influence the opinions i have on my own show uh, i listen to sports podcasts when i'm driving around to games after i'm off the air but i i listen to movie podcasts while i do stuff and i watch movies late at night while i'm doing stuff like last night i watched copland that was fun. Nice. I, but the list is, we were talking before we came on, like the list for me is so long. I've got to watch like so much. Well, move ki Same. the killer up at the top of the list for by virtue of this conversation. What's your exactly. next, what's your, uh, the next unusual question, WD? So one of my favorite or some of my favorite memories of school growing up were field trips, but also spirit days, school spirit days. Yeah. 
And my favorite spirit day was typically like beach day when you like dress up like you're going to the beach, that type of deal. Everything around the school is beach themed. So what was you guys' favorite spirit day that you really like to partake in? Dynamic duo day was fun <laughs> where you'd find a friend and I, I was Ron Weasley once and a friend of mine was um, Harry Potter. And we also did Ooh. another year it was Dynamic Duo and I was Ron Burgundy and three of my other friends did uh, the entire Channel 4 news team. That was good. That's, That's good. good. I don't... Uh, Dynamic Duo Day would have been too easy for me. I'm a twin. Like we went <laughs> to school. It, <laughs> too easy. Low-hanging fruit. I'm trying to remember. There was a theme one homecoming week, which is typically when we did the spirit days in high school. There was a, a theme because the opposing team's mascot was some sort of, of maybe the Bulls or something. And they, we did this thing where we had big cart. We did, I did not, I was not involved in this, but there was a spirit group that, that decorated the halls. And they had like giant cardboard meat slabs hanging around one particular hallway. And so like we would jokingly walk through and punch the cardboard meat slabs like we were Rocky. Um, and I just, this is not an answer to a spirit day question, but as part of this for the pep rally that week, we ripped all of those off the wall and we were like carrying them over our heads during the pep rally like we were a bunch of barbarians or something it was like my favorite we always did our like class elections during spirit week as well at our school and my favorite thing that ever happened with that was my buddy who was also part of the channel 4 news team was running for student body president and it was between him and a, a girl that went way over the top like and like putting up flyers all over the place saying vote for me vote for sure. me vote for me As like, you do. all this stuff and she packed an entire hall with like things that said vote for me vote for me vote for me and on the other side which was reserved for his ads that he put up things very once ron swanson-esque he puts up one flyer one like legal sheet of paper that says his name loves the environment <laughs> he lost. done got my vote now did he did he like give a speech as his channel four news team no, character? no, no. I, don't okay. even, I don't even think we had speeches what's your unusual question all right so i i spent yesterday as the the pirates did playing basketball in lakeland florida mm -hmm. i told a friend that i was visiting lakeland florida this friend is not from florida and they said lakeland florida sounds like a fake place huh. what is the most fake sounding town or city you've ever visited poff town <laughs> <laughs> but see you can't make up you can't make up the way that's spelled right like shout out to Hayes Permar just because <laughs> I remember I referenced Pop Town in a read one time and he's like that's not a real place Pop Town what Pop Town you being serious Pop Town I think welcome North Carolina welcome welcome sounds kind of fake Kernersville <laughs> horny town where's that it's it's like in the high point area 
Horny Town. Horny Town. Yeah. I'm so serious. Horny Town or USA. I'm, or maybe I'm thinking about Horny Town Road. I was about to say, I don't know. I feel like I'd heard more. Ju- I, I would have heard you, more. Yeah, we would. We would all know about Horny Town, North Carolina. If Come we on. lived within 30 minutes of a Horny Town, North Carolina, I would like to say I'd know what it was. Yeah, I'm probably thinking about Horny Town Road. There it is. There's a, there was a, I did see when I pulled up the Maps app in Lakeland. Nearby, there was a place that was labeled on Maps called Town and Country, like the van. It was Town and Country, Florida. Um, that's pretty unusual to me but and no, that, Lake, lakeland sounds sounds fake and that's and that's been unusual questions watch darren bot tonight on unc basketball women's basketball basically western carolina acc network extra and watch uh on my tv 48 tomorrow as um it's the shrine bowl one o'clock busy guy darren bot appreciate you spending the time we'll talk next week buddy Sounds good. See you guys. On with the show. Showtime. Back to the drive with Josh Graham. Yes, sir. Got my Carolina Hurricanes gear on. Let's put a pin in that for a second, though. We'll get to the Canes momentarily. App State coach Sean Clark will be here in 15 minutes. But before we shift gears to college football, Let's hit on college hoops a little bit deeper. North Carolina, Kentucky might not be a matchup between top 10 teams like UConn and Gonzaga tonight in Seattle. And they're certainly not ranked in the top five like Purdue and Arizona are. Both those teams are going to meet in Indianapolis tomorrow. But in terms of sheer entertainment value, UNC UK should be the game of the weekend, and there are plenty of reasons why. You're talking about a matchup between two ranked teams. The other two are the only other ones that check that box among the many games that we have. Clemson at Memphis, NC State facing Tennessee tomorrow night, A&M at Houston. Fantastic games across the board, but both are ranked. Both are blue bloods. Can't really say that about those other two games. And... You have a matchup between two Final Four or National Championship winning coaches. John Calipari going up against Hubert Davis. The only thing that would make this game even better is if it were played on campus. Hubert was asked about that yesterday and said he would love for this to be played on campus. Same guy, and I believe him, same guy that has scheduled a home-and-home this past offseason with Kansas that's going to start either next year or the year after that. The style of play is really what's going to stand out in this game, though. Arizona and Purdue, as highly ranked as they are, don't play the most fun brand of basketball, particularly Purdue. North Carolina and Kentucky is going to be electric. Take the over. <laughs> Both these teams. Send me that cash out, fam. They're almost the same team. Top 10 national or top 25 nationally and scoring offense, they are in the 200s defensively. Almost the same basketball team. Almost the same story. As Hubert talked about, that they know that Kentucky has speed and they can run, but Hubert also knows that North Carolina has that in their bag too. Tennessee's pretty good in transition. Arkansas's pretty good in transition, so and we're pretty good 
also. So we get to practice each, against each other every day. And so it's something that I think we do really well, and uh, we're just going to have to do it in that particular area better than them. This is the game that you should think of what North Carolina, Kentucky might be like tomorrow afternoon in Atlanta. In 2017, these two teams met, and 203 points were scored in the game. 103 to 100, and with 20 seconds left to go, some guy named Malik Monk hit a three to win the game for the Kentucky Wildcats. I feel pretty comfortable saying right now that 90 points will be required to win this game. You might even get to 100. 90 might not be enough. You might be talking about in regulation, that type of number put forth. I don't even know if they have odds put up WD for this game yet, but if they do, let me know. And if they have a total attached to it, if it's anything less than 175, I feel like it's stealing money. The Tar Heels, I think, should win the game. Carolina, their loss... One of their two losses were to UConn at MSG. That's the last time we saw them. Kentucky lost at home to UNCW. The total for this thing is 165.5. You know what to do on that one, Chief. Send me that cash out, family. It's like stealing money. Cormac Ryan, once upon a time, beat Kentucky when he was with Notre Dame. He's been in a bit of a slump since that's being talked about more and more. Maybe you get a good Cormac Ryan game. I do think... North Carolina has a little bit more talent than Kentucky does, but on paper, Kentucky's been better than North Carolina has. This is just a compelling basketball game, and I think it's going to end up being the game of the weekend. I think the Tar Heels win it. Kentucky, North Carolina must watch TV. 336-777-1600 if you want in. Let's go to Ed in Winston-Salem before we go to Orlando and check in on Sean Clark and Hap State. Ed, what do you have on your Tar Heels? Uh, you covered a lot of what I was going to uh, say, Josh. Their uh, offense and defense uh, is pretty well uh, the same. Uh, Kentucky's a little better shooting from the you know field goals and three point. Carolina's maybe a two three more percentage points higher on the field goal. My big concern is Kentucky's big guards Reeves. You see, starts at six six, Wagner six four. And the two guys that come off the bench, Dillingham and Shepard, are both six three. And that's something what the fans may look for. And hopefully, Carolina will do a much better job on these big guards. You know, letting them switch and, and getting wide open for uh, you know jump shots. But uh, I, I saw an early line, and uh, I don't know how much faith you put put in this, but uh, Carolina is favored anywhere from one point to. Two-point. Hold one one second. Hold one second. WD, what what did you see as the point spread for the game? Minus one. Okay. So, yeah, that seems to be popular sentiment. Sorry to interrupt that. And like you said, there is going to be a ton of uh, excellent games on tomorrow. But like you say, I think this could be the best one of all. And uh, thank you for taking my call. Have a good weekend. And Merry Christmas to you, Ed. It's a fantastic matchup. You're right about... You know, Dillingham, who was once upon a time at NC State commit. You're you're right about Reeves, who I remember watching up close in Greensboro for the NCAA tournament. Bradshaw's a guy who, I mean, when Kentucky's right and he's playing well, they're a tough team to beat. This is ultimately a game, when you're talking about two similar teams and two big programs in a game that they're both going to be excited to play, you ask yourself the question, who's good is better? 
And I think North Carolina's good. It's just a little bit better than Kentucky's. But it should be a great basketball game. Now let's get to those Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes are back. The Canes are back. Back in more ways than one. They are back home literally after a six-game road trip. Four out west, a game in Ottawa, then last night in Detroit. Kind of harsh on the NHL's part. Hey, you just got done with the six-game road trip. You're going to return home. When? Uh, The day after you play your last road game of that stretch. Because they are in action tonight, PNC Arena. So they're back in the literal sense. They're also back in the hockey sense. They won the last two games of the road trip in convincing fashion against Ottawa last night. Didn't look like they had goaltending problems against the Red Wings. Red Wings are better than they've been in past years. And WD, Piotr Kochekov stopped 26 of 27 shots. Carolina able to hold on to a close win. And tonight, it's the Nashville Predators who are in town. We'll see who's in net. I haven't checked who's in net, but that's what we got in store later on tonight. Make sure, if you haven't already yet, that you're subscribed to our podcast. Search The Drive with Josh Graham, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We get it. It can be tough sometimes to listen to a three-hour show in its entirety. If you're just in for a 10-minute car ride and you're not going to be able to catch Sean Clark in just a few minutes, we get it. Understand it. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed there. That's where we're streaming video in addition to Twitch and, and on X. All of it free. Subscribe to our pod as well. While we have a moment before we welcome Sean Clark to the show, that's the one bowl game I feel good about. I'm not worried about the fact that the weather isn't great. Send me that cash out, fam. In Orlando. App State, lay the points. And I think Vegas is starting to get wind of this, where this line opened up at three and a half, four, and now it's at six and a half. That might be due to us not knowing who Miami of Ohio is going to play at quarterback tomorrow. Their starter's not going to play. What are they going to do? Is it going to be some wildcat with the rain and such? I just know this. In college football, there are tiers in terms of talent level. The SEC has a different level of talent than, say, the Pac-12 did. All due respect. The Pac-12 and the ACC has a different level of talent than the Sun Belt does, than the American does with Charlotte and East Carolina. Those conferences have different talent level than the MAC. And then if you look at the top tier of the MAC versus the top tier of FCS, there isn't all that much difference, but aside from the top tier of the MAC is a different talent level than most FCS schools. That's the way that I see the rundown of things. So, as long as App State's motivated to play, and I have a feeling they are, we'll see if you get that sense too when Sean Clark joins us, I think the Mountaineers are going to be fine. And I don't have a problem 
laying that number either. One of the four picks we're handing out this weekend. Give me that cash out, fam. Because other than the loss to Troy and winning tight at JMU, App's been blowing people out. Double-digit win against Southern Miss. 22-point win against Marshall. 28-point win at Georgia State. 28-point win against Georgia Southern in Boone. These these games aren't close that App State is playing in. So I don't think I think there is a possibility on ABC, first time App State's played on that type of stage, that they win this game and win this game convincingly. But on that note, as a prelude, from Orlando, 24 hours from playing in the Cure Bowl, App State coach Sean Clark joins us next on the drive. It's the drive with Josh Graham. WSJS. Oh, play me some mountain music like Grandma and Grandpa used to play. Then I'll float on down the river to Cajun Hideaway. When you're a head coach in major college football, there is usually tunnel vision that comes along with it during the season, meaning that maybe some pop culture items slips through the cracks. And as we welcome in App State head coach Sean Clark, whose Mountaineers will be playing in the Cure Bowl on ABC tomorrow afternoon, I want to put that to the test. Sean, are you or are you not aware of an announcement that was made yesterday of a new Beverly Hills Cop movie starring Eddie Murphy coming out next year? I am not aware of any movie coming out right now, to be honest with you. It's uh, It's been a crazy week, a crazy last two weeks. So uh, I haven't had time to look on social media much with recruiting and bowl practice and and trying to spend an afternoon with my own kids at uh, Universal. So um, ready to play this game and get back to Boone and, and take a nap. Yes. Next summer when it comes out, you'll be a lot more primed to watch Beverly Hills uh, Cop. Axel AF is what the title of this movie is Axel F uh, on Netflix next year. But kind of on that note, Sean, it's been a couple of weeks since the Troy game. So with a quick turnaround of having to play you know, this Saturday, the first day of bowl games, and the portal opening up since that Troy game and signing day being next week, how much, uh, how much has the challenge with this particular bowl prep been time management? It's a big challenge. So you mentioned we played the bowl game, and then we had to go. We had to play the championship game. Then went out recruiting for three days, and you're trying to see who's going to go in the portal from your own team. So you're really recruiting your own team for the first three or four days, and then uh, we have a senior banquet. We had uh, official visits in that weekend, and now we left on Tuesday. So uh, we finally got down here, and it got back a little bit of normalcy to uh, come back and just practice and and really uh, get your team back together. So uh, been very busy. I know we're excited to get this game uh, played tomorrow in this torrential downpour we're supposed to get, but uh, we're going to play the game, and then we'll get back to Boone and have signing day on Wednesday, then try to catch your breath, take a little break, and and rejuvenate a little bit. It was my favorite question you were asked at the press conference. How are you going to deal with weather? Have you ever been to Boone, North Carolina? <laughs> I know. They, that was one of the questions they asked. I said, uh, have you ever been to Boone? I said, it can be sunshine in the 40s, start to rain, sleet, and snow all within three hours. So um, we're, we're prepared for it. We don't go in the indoor that much uh, back in Boone for these kind of situations. I know our players are, are not afraid of the weather, and I think that gives them an advantage, advantage tomorrow. App State coach Sean Clark's with us here. So when during this two-week stretch did you start to actually look at Miami of Ohio? 
I had a chance to start watching them last Friday morning. I got in the office early Friday morning and watched a little bit before the recruits came on campus. And then it was different for us. Now we're down here. We are enjoying ourselves in Orlando. But uh, for us, we, we practiced in the morning, the morning session of practice. So we were up at 6, meetings in the morning, then practice. And I would come back in the afternoon and really start the game plan uh, from, from my standpoint. Coach Ponce and Coach Sloan did a great job of, of getting the base stuff done. And, and we wrapped our game plan up last night. So it's all in, but uh, it was it was quick. Everyone talks about a bowl game. It's great. But we really didn't have much time to practice to really get a bunch of young guys ready to play. So uh, it was a normal bowl week for us, a really normal game week. And, uh, and it's here. So it's uh, a quick turnaround, but I know our guys are excited to play. A win would be the program's first bowl win in three years. A loss would close the season with consecutive losses on a national stage, and each of them first time App State's ever playing on ABC tomorrow afternoon. Despite that, we hear people say, you know, oh, how little these games matter. How far are you willing to go in stating the importance of this game for your group? No, well, these games do matter. And again, we're playing the Cure Bowl and and this game is different. It's, it's every dollar that's made goes to research of cancer. And this game is bigger than uh, both programs. But and this is a reward for the players that uh, this has been 20 straight weeks since we reported at camp. And we haven't had a weekend off. So this is a way to uh, really celebrate the season. But again, uh, we keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's to win a football game. And uh, eight and nine and five sounds a lot better than uh, eight and six. So uh, we know the importance of it. And again, like you mentioned earlier, we're on national stage, ABC, for the first time ever in the history of our program. And we play a lot of uh, big time TV games. So this is huge for us. Again, everyone, the brand of the A is, is nationally known. So we want to make sure we put a good product on the field. Take me behind the scenes on conversations coaches have when it comes to the calendar, because I ask you about prep and things of that nature because I think that's something fans don't really appreciate behind the scenes. It's just, hey, when's the game, all that, and they don't appreciate the amount of work that goes into things. I don't think there's another sport, Sean, where the offseason is playing out during the postseason, and that's what you see with college football and you have the signing day next week. Like, What is discussed among coaches in terms of common sense fixes to the amount of madness that we're seeing? Well, we try to schedule out at least eight to 10 months. I'm very fortunate to have Nolan Jones as my director of football operations who helps me with that. And, and how we do things, we try to, to work around our own kids. So th throughout practice, if, if we know that uh, one of our coaches has a, an event with, with their family, we try to schedule around that. But it's never perfect. Things change. So, um, again, you always try to schedule out. You go back to this past week, we had three or four schedules because we weren't sure who we were playing and what day we were playing in the bowl game. So we had the Myrtle Beach Bowl schedule. We had the Cure Bowl schedule. We had the Armed Forces schedule. We had the Independence Bowl schedule. So um, he spent a lot of time and effort to, and to have that planned out. But uh, let's go back to your original question. We try to get eight to ten months out as far as our schedule because every, everything changes, but at least they have, you have some kind of base of what you can go off of. Are there any changes you'd like to see to the college football calendar? Uh, there's a lot of changes, but they don't, they don't make enough money to uh, have my opinion. But, you know, the transfer portal has really changed the, the landscape of college football. Then you add, add in NIL deals, collectives, uh, those things change everything. And uh, you don't know who your team's going to be uh, in January. And then you go through spring practice, you think you've it figured out, but there's another window that opens up. So uh, those are big challenges. And I spend at least an hour a day on just roster management and recruit my own players because you never know when someone can walk in the door and say, I want to go somewhere else. So uh, you do the best you can. It used, if this was last year, I would have been 
uh, upset a lot of a lot of issues with the transfer portal, but that's the world we live in right now. So uh, you might as well uh, adjust to it, or or else you're gonna be left behind. Sean Clark with us here on the way out. You don't know this, but I was at an amusement park in Orlando. I was at Hollywood Studios last weekend, and I left like ships in the night as you guys were arriving earlier this week. What was the highlight of the trip at Universal Studios? Was there a ride? Was there a restaurant? Yeah, well, there's, there's two. There's The restaurant was the Palm. That was at the Hard Rock Hotel there. That was excellent. Um, and then for me personally, I, I watched my, I don't do roller coasters. I, I'm not going, I'm not good at going upside down, but I did ride the Harry Potter ride, oh. which I thought was going to be goofy. But when I got on it, I was holding for dear life. And that was a lot of fun to be around with, with my son and, and have a lot of fun with that. So uh, I know our players enjoyed it. I think, you know, the coaches enjoyed it. Kind of just get away and let your guard down and, and be a kid again. And that's what you're going to do here in Orlando. What was the, what was on the menu at the Palm? We had the bone-in ribeye and the lobster. We had a, my wife and I had a six-pound lobster, so that, that's a go-to right there. Wow! See, I, I had a, a big old steak at Melrose's. That's what I got, and then we got a chicken parm dish, and then we had like a shrimp dish too. We were dining like kings, as you should when you're at uh, amusement parks such as Universal. Sean Clark, I hope you're dining like a king tomorrow night, celebrating an App State football win. Thanks for everything you've done for us throughout the season, and we look forward to catching up sometime soon. No, thank you for having me on your show. It's, it's always good to see you guys. And, again, if I don't talk to you, man, Merry Christmas and have a, a great new year. And, again, thanks again for your friendship.